Bible reading today is from Matthew 9.35 to 10.8. Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus called his twelve disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who had betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Hi everyone, I'm Christine and I'll be bringing the message to you today. If you weren't here last week, I uh, recommend that you listen back to Travis's sermon last week because we've started a new series uh, in line with this year's vision that we are uh, being light and salt uh, with Jesus to transform lives. This series that we're doing is called Magnetic, and the reason we're called it Magnetic is because both these substances, salt and light, are substances that draw people or attract people. So light, for example, if it's dark and it's nighttime and, and you see a light in a distance, you're, you're drawn to that light, right? Or if someone places a bowl of potato chips in front of you, so, uh, and they don't have, doesn't have salt, and or they place a bowl of potato chips in front of you that does have salt. You're, you're drawn to the chips that have the flavour. And so, in the same way, we are to be holy and attractive people uh, that draws others to God. And so, uh, last week, uh, Travis talked about how we do this through genuine and authentic faith. And this week, I'll be looking at how we do this through our real spiritual authority, which we've been experiencing a bit tonight. Uh, with. Before we uh, look into this, will you pray with me? Yeah, Father, help us grasp and take hold of what you want to say to us today. Now, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you transform this sermon into transformed lives. Not only in each of us here today, but also those whom you have placed around us. Come, Lord Jesus, reveal more of yourself to us, more of ourselves to us today. I pray in your mighty name. Amen. So, my mother is Dutch, uh, but she now lives here in Australia and has become Australian citizen. Uh, but every so often, she needs to renew her Dutch passport. So she flies 24 hours or whatever it takes to get to Holland and she gets the Dutch government to renew her passport. No, she doesn't do that. She goes to Bondi uh, to the Dutch consulate and on behalf of the Dutch government, the consulate grants her a new passport. 
You see, the, the Dutch consulate uh, represents and even carries the authority uh, of the Dutch government and has the authority to act on behalf of the Dutch government. And so just like uh, the consulate, we are ambassadors for an authority uh, greater than ourselves. We are ambassadors of Christ Jesus and we carry his authority. And so if we are going to understand our spiritual authority, we need to understand the authority of the one we represent About a month ago, I was uh, reading through the book of Matthew, which is in the Bible. Uh, It's an account of Jesus' life. And and I was tracking my way through the book. Uh, And so I just read this section, uh, which was uh, Jesus uh, saying a sermon on a mountainside. And and then I came uh, to this section, uh, which ran from the Sermon on the Mount until our Bible reading today. And and this section, it caught my attention. Uh, And And I believe actually God was ministering to me in that moment. And the reason this section caught my attention was I read the first story and God showed me his power. And then I read the next section and God showed me his power. And then I read the next section and again, God showed me his power. And by the time I came to today's reading, I just sat back and I realized what God was showing me. And so I'm going to try and show you uh, that today. Uh, So if you have your Bibles, feel free to follow along. Uh, We are in Matthew chapter 8, starting in chapter 8, and we go through 9. So the first story, uh, we we encounter this man with leprosy. Uh, We don't uh, encounter much like this disease much in Australia, but I've just been to Nepal and I visited a hospital that specializes in this disease uh, in helping people with this disease. Um, And it's still a very prevalent disease around the world today. Um, And this man in this story, he he comes up to Jesus and he asks Jesus to heal him. And and Matthew records, he says, Jesus, he reached out his hand and he touched. And and this man, this is a very contagious disease. And and Jesus touched this man. and, And Matthew says, immediately, Immediately, he was cleansed of his leprosy. And then we come to the next story. In this next story, there's someone paralyzed. I just want you to sit uh, for a moment and realize the awfulness of this situation for this person. In our own time, let alone 2,000 years ago, where your physical health, you were dependent on it so that you could live and work. And in this story, Jesus doesn't even see or go to this man, but someone else actually comes on behalf of this man. And I just want to read you the words that this man says. He says to Jesus, he says, Just say the word, and my servant will be healed. And continues, For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. I tell this one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. You see, the reason this man says this is because he recognizes that Jesus has authority. And Jesus just needs to say the word, and this man lying in bed kilometers and kilometers away will be healed. And Matthew records 
that in that moment, when Jesus said the word, he was healed. And then Jesus comes to a house and there's this mother lying in bed with a fever. I'm sure most of us have experienced a fever. They're not a pleasant experience. And it says that Jesus simply touched her hand and it left her. And then evening came, and, it, and Matthew records that many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits and, with the word and healed all of the sick. I don't know if you're starting to see a bit of a theme here. And then after that, Jesus gets into a boat uh, with his disciples, and as they're traveling along, a massive storm comes and hits them. And the disciples, they come crying out to Jesus to save them. And Matthew records that Jesus got up, And he rebuked the winds and the waves. And it was completely calm. And the men were amazed and they asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. And then we enter this crazy scene where at the command of Jesus, thousands of demons are driven out into a herd of pigs. And then we get another story of a paralyzed man, and and this time Jesus doesn't only heal him, he actually has the divine authority to forgive this man. And then we get another story where where Jesus is walking among crowds, all these people around him, and and this woman who had been bleeding for 12 years, I want you to get that, 12 years, that's a long time, and she simply touches his cloak, and she is healed immediately. And then he comes to this house where people are mourning because there's a dead girl. And he raises this girl from the dead. And then he touches the eyes of two blind men and their sight is completely restored. I don't know if you're seeing a bit of a theme here. The authors of the Gospels are very intentional in the way they lay out their stories. These stories are all put together for a reason. Because the author's trying to get a message across. Jesus has incredible power and authority. Skin diseases, paralysis, fever, wind, waves, sickness, demons, sin, death, disability, they all obey and submit to Jesus' authority. When you see someone today trapped with any of these Do you believe that Jesus can free them? Then Matthew writes a summary at the end of this section. He says, Jesus went throughout all the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. And then the tables turn. Right after all the miracles we've just heard and read, we come to today's reading. And then Jesus calls his disciples to him. And then Matthew says, and then he gave them authority. He gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and heal every disease and sickness. As you go, he told them, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you have received, freely give. Everything we've just been seeing Jesus do, he now gives the spiritual power and authority 
to the disciples to do. You know why I, I sat back after reading this section in the book of Matthew? It's because I realized that Jesus was telling me, go and do likewise. Freely you, Christine, freely you, congregation, have received, freely give. And I think the biggest problem is that we have not grasped this truth. We do not know, really know what we have. That we have spiritual authority. That the same power that rose Jesus from the dead is living in us, in you, in me. In Acts, we see the same miraculous power at work in the disciples as we saw with Jesus. And it was because they knew the spiritual authority they had. Peter and John, they're heading to the temple one day and a beggar, he calls out to them for money. And Peter, he tells the beggar, I don't have money. But then he says these words. He says, but what I do have, what I do have, See, Peter grasps, he knows what he has. What I do have in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And immediately, this man who had been lame for 40 years is healed. I heard a story once that really stuck with me. Uh, It was of a lady, uh, she practiced dark magic. And she was having a conversation with Christians at a New Age festival. And she told these Christians, she said, I can easily spot a Christian from from ages away from the distance. She said, because she could sense in her spirit uh, a great spiritual power in them. And so these Christians, they asked her, well, are you not afraid of these Christians because of what you could sense in them? And you know what she said? She said, no, she wasn't. And so they asked her, why? And she said, because most Christians do not know the spiritual power that they have. And another story is a a relative of mine. And I think she was starting to grasp the spiritual power that she has. Uh, She was sitting on a beach in X country, I won't say where, where she was a missionary. uh, And her family were out swimming in the water. And she's sitting down under a tree and she sees this family come over with a Buddhist monk and this Buddhist monk started to perform a ritual ceremony for this family. And so she's sitting over here and she's observing this scene and and she thought, why don't I just pray against what's happening over there? And so in her head, uh, she just started to pray against this ceremony. And she told me, she said, the second I started praying, this monk, he, he just stopped what he was doing and looked straight at her. And she's like, well, that, that was weird. And so she stopped praying. And then he went back and continued doing his ceremony. And then she thought, I'll try again. I'll just pray against this ceremony. And the second she started praying again, he stopped what he was doing and he stared straight at her. So we have spiritual power and authority. But what, what does this have to do with being 
a magnet or being magnetic? What does this have to do with being salt and light in this needy world? Is authority given to us for our own pleasure and use? No, the very reason we are given authority is to display Jesus and display his power and establish his rule. And so, how are we to be magnets to someone who, who is trapped or someone who is, is victim to, to the lies of the enemy or, or someone who is lost? We are magnets because we are not. And I want to equip you with some truths today. You see, you are a warrior, not a victim. You are a warrior, not a victim. And the very reason I want to equip you for truths is because the enemy will do anything he can to undermine, undo the truth of the authority you have. You see, the enemy, one of his favorite things to do is make us doubt. Are you really a warrior? Do you really have spiritual authority? Are you even a child of God? I want you to know that these thoughts are lies. The enemy wants you to doubt the power and identity you have because if he can make you doubt, he renders you powerless. So any voice of criticism you hear, you're worthless. You're a fool. Why did you think that? Any criticism, renounce it. Don't harbor thoughts that God would not think. I remember one time I was walking to college and I was just thinking, and this random thought just came into my mind, and it had nothing to do with whatever I was thinking at the time. And, and I remember this thought was, it was very dark and evil, and because it had nothing to do with what I'd been thinking, I realized that this thought wasn't from me, that the enemy had planted it there. And so because I was all alone uh, walking, I decided to say out loud, go away, I'm not going to own this thought because it's not mine. And as soon as I said that, the thought just vanished. So much, I didn't have to dwell on it. And it vanished so much so that I can't even remember what the thought was. I don't know what it was. All I remember was that experience of it coming and going as soon as I commanded it to. And so don't own the thoughts that the enemy plants in your head. Because what you agree with, you empower. So will you believe truth? Will you believe doubt? And I actually want you to take encouragement if you're hearing doubt today. Because that's the enemy feeling threatened. Because he's terrified if you grasp the truth that you have spiritual authority. And the other thing the enemy seeks to undermine is your righteousness. You're a sinner, he'll say. How could you have spiritual authority? Is your behavior weightier than the righteousness of Christ that has covered and washed you clean? Does your behavior precede your identity in Christ? Or does, is your identity, does that precede your behavior? 
Jesus didn't partially take on our sins so that we could partially take on his righteousness. He fully took on our sins so that we could fully take on his righteousness. So you have spiritual authority in Jesus. If you're going to take anything away from today, I want it to be this, that you have it. You have spiritual authority so you have spiritual authority, but how are we to use it to be a magnet in this world? A magnet that draws people to God. I mean, after all, this is why Jesus gave it to us. And let me just read some words uh, from Paul in 1 Corinthians uh, 13. He says, If I speak in tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. See, love should arouse, should prompt, should drive spiritual authority. You know, right before Jesus gives his disciples authority and sends them out, it says in Matthew that he saw the crowds and had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he sends them out, out of an overflow of love and compassion. Jesus is driven by love. And he uses his authority in love. You see that throughout the chapters 8 and 9. And he gives his disciples authority because of his love and, and compassion for the lost sheep. So love should motivate our spiritual authority. And the next thing is wisdom. And when you interact with people who don't know Jesus, don't, don't force yourself on them or, or try and pray for them if they don't want it. Be sensitive and led by God's spirit and wait on God. Don't act on your own. And also wisdom, and I think humility ties in this as well, but wisdom in how you face the strongholds of the enemy. We don't need to fear him and we're not victims to him, but we do need to be wise. I've heard plenty of stories where people have tried to come against the enemy from a place of lack of knowledge, and they've found themselves in, in dangerous uh, situations of spiritual attack. Even in the book of Jude, uh, we, we see the uh, archangel, uh, Michael, he, he wouldn't even speak up against the uh, devil because he realizes that this is dangerous. And so we need to be wise and, and led by God. And we shouldn't underestimate the devil, but do not underestimate God who is above all. And that ties into our next point, that we do this with God. We practice spiritual authority out of a place of deep communion with God. Let him instruct and guide how to be a magnet in this world. I mean, he is the giver of the authority. Let him guide you how to use it. And be obedient to God. If he tells you to do something, do it. And if he tells you not to do something, don't do it. And don't do something unless you've asked him about it first. And so this is why it's so important that you are reading and spending that precious time with God and in his word. 
And the next thing is courage, and I think this is a big one for a lot of us today. So be bold. And this is exactly what the early church prayed for. So they obviously faced fear a bit themselves. So pray for it if that's what it takes. Pray for boldness. Because fear is the opposite of faith. You cannot, they don't, cannot coexist. You either have fear or you have faith. So you have to make your choice. Will you have fear or will you have faith? And pray for boldness. And also, we do this in Jesus' name. Because we are witnesses of Jesus. And our spiritual authority should point to him. And we also use his name because it is authoritative and powerful. You know, if my mum rocked up to Bondi and she met this stranger on the street and he said, oh yeah, I can, I can renew your passport, she's not going to believe him. Not until he pulls out his card of identity uh, telling that he is an, a Dutch ambassador, that he has this authority. And so when we uh, speak Jesus' name, we, uh, we are identified with him and we carry his authority because of his name. And so... What could this look like in your life? Just think about yourself. What could this look like in your life? Maybe you are at school and you don't have Christian friends. Or maybe you're in a work office environment. Maybe your life is surrounded by Christians at the moment. What could it look like for you to use your spiritual authority to be a magnet in this world. Maybe if you're at school, you, you could prayer walk your school, praying over the places where each group sits at lunchtime and praying that the conversations will be more fruitful or even praying for revival and spiritual awakening in your school. Maybe at work, if you have a colleague that comes in stressed or they're going through family uh, issues, maybe you could ask them, can I uh, speak a blessing over your life? that you will be blessed with joy in your home and that in Jesus' name, situations will be changed. Or maybe even with your Christian friends, if you, if you hear them speaking negative words over themselves, you could remind them of their identity in Jesus. Or you could pray and intercede on behalf of people. Even right now, I have a friend all the way in Indonesia interceding and praying for this sermon right now. And maybe a friend tells you that they have a headache or a friend is limping, or, or a friend is in a bad headspace, you could offer to pray that they will feel better. The other day, I was with a friend who uh, doesn't know Jesus yet, um, and she had injured her knee, she had fallen on it, uh, and it was swelling uh, underneath there. And we were walking along, and she was just telling me about her knee, and, and she said something that sounded like Jesus. She didn't actually say the name Jesus, but it made me think, Jesus, hey, I should ask to pray for her. Um, and so I asked her, I'm like, oh, would you be weirded out if I prayed for your knee? And she's like, no. Nah. I mean, like, yes, you, you can. You can pray for my knee. And so we waited till we got into the car, and, and I, I was like, oh, would it be weird if I put my hand on your knee and pray for your knee? And she's like, yeah, you can put your hand on my knee. So I put my hand on her knee, and I said a very simple prayer, just in Jesus' name, be healed, something like that. Um, yeah, and then we started driving um, and I'm driving, and I can see her in the corner of my eye, and she, every few moments she would go, and she'd feel both her knees, and, and then she'd stop and would keep driving, and then a few moments later she would feel both her knees, and she kept doing this throughout the whole drive. She didn't say anything. And then afterwards we get out of the car, and again she's feeling her knees, and, and then she's like, so weird, 
my other knee seems to have a bump, but the first knee, the bump seems to be gone. And she didn't tell me she was healed, but the bump was gone. And the other knee, she didn't complain about afterwards. It wasn't actually a problem with that knee. Um, and the reason I share this story is if she was or if she wasn't healed, she would have felt loved and cared for because I made myself vulnerable by asking if I could pray for her. And if she was healed, think of the impact that would have on her, that in Jesus' name, her knee got better. She's going to ask, well, who is this Jesus? But I don't, I also don't want to paint a false picture. Not everyone is going to respond positively. I didn't show you earlier, but in each of those miracles that Jesus uh, did in that that section in Matthew 8 and 9, uh, Jesus received very differing responses. Let me just read uh, the last story from this section. It says, And then Jesus touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Jesus warned them sternly, seeing to it that no one knows about it. But they went out and spread the news about him all over that region. While they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed and could not talk uh, was brought to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. The crowd was amazed and said, Nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, It is by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. Not everyone will accept you. They didn't even accept Jesus and the miracles he performed. But it is worth it. It is worth embarrassing ourselves. Worth getting it wrong. Worth moving out of our comfort zone. Worth persisting when there's no response. Worth the persecution and being frowned upon because Jesus loves these people. He loves the lost sheep. He yearns for them. He died for them. And he is sending us out to them. He gave us this authority to see them freed and restored. And he is driven by love and so should we. Uh, Last week, Travis uh, got us all to say out loud together, uh, we are or I am the salt of the earth and, and the light of the world. And I thought I'd take this a step further and and get us to say a few more statements of faith uh, over ourselves, over each other, against the enemy and to God. Uh, So I have the words up on the screen. Um, And if you're not ready to say this, don't, don't feel like you have to say this, but if you believe these words to be true, I encourage you to declare this out loud today. Uh, I might get us all to stand to say it as well. But yeah, let's say it. I declare that I am a child of the Most High God. I declare that I am holy and completely righteous by the blood of Jesus. I declare that I am the salt of the earth and the light of the world. I declare that the one who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. I declare that I have been seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. I declare that I am a warrior and not a victim. I declare that I have spiritual authority to see the lost set free in Jesus' name. I believe. God bless you all.